Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome, friends, to the Money and Meaning Show. My name is Jeff Bernier. I am the president and a wealth advisor at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors in Atlanta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. It's my privilege to walk with you, the audience, and our clients as we seek clarity and confidence to live a great life. In my opinion, enough purpose to get out of bed and adequate resources to sleep at night are elements that lead to a great life. Let me say that again. Enough purpose to get out of bed and enough money to sleep at night are elements that lead to a great life. And that's what this show is really all about. How to manage wealth to provide the resources to be all that you were called to be, and how to find meaning and purpose in the journey. A penny saved is a penny got. Poor Richard's Almanac, also known as Benjamin Franklin. Now, I'm sure you've heard this quote. You've probably heard it, a penny saved is a penny earned. And there is a lot of wisdom that comes from these short, pithy quotes and lessons, uh, Benjamin Franklin's in particular. Well, today, I am joined by my good friend and collaborator, Kevin Corhorn of the Corhorn Financial Group in South Bend, Indiana. Now, I thought Kevin would be a great guest today as we talk about a penny saved is a penny earned, but we're going to talk about the benefits of financial planning, and we're going to talk about, in particular, right now, why tax planning is becoming more and more important. So these are two areas, obviously, where we can save a penny um, and obviously in, improve our, our financial situation. So we're in a world today where a lot of people are distracted by the noise of cryptocurrency and day trading and all the exciting things that are happening on the headlines. But we want to remember the Franklin quote and devote a little time today on while having a disciplined plan of saving, financial planning, and making wise planning moves is so critical. So Kevin is the founder and president of Corhorn Financial Group, as I mentioned, in South Bend, Indiana, long-term friend. Welcome, Kevin Corhorn, to the Money and Meaning Show. Thank you, Jeff. It is a pleasure to join you today. Yep. It's great having you. And, and Kevin, uh, the audience has heard me talk about you a lot because in the three years I've been doing this show, um, we talked about the origins of the show right there in the uh, studio of the uh, Corhorn Financial Group's worldwide headquarters there. So anyway, I always like to start the show just having the audience get to know you a little bit, Kevin. So do you mind just telling the audience a little bit about yourself and your family and, and your path to uh, leading your firm? Sure. So I am, I've been a, a financial planner since July 19th of 1994. Um, I am married and um, my beautiful wife, Lori, I have three children, the youngest of which is graduating from high school this year. And um, my oldest is getting out of the military after three years and will start college this fall. And my middle is uh, in, in college as well in the Naval ROTC. So he will owe five or six years of his life to the Navy. Um, so that, that's my 
family and my path to leading KFG, I would say I was, I'm a little bit of a reluctant leader in the same way Moses didn't really want to go. He said, well, um, why don't you send Aaron or someone who may be more suited or equipped for the job? But um, God has had me do the, the leading of, of the firm. And um, I've been doing that since I started 27 years ago. And it's been, an, it's been a remarkable journey. The business that we're in today, Jeff, as you know, is very different than the business that I started in and you started in. You're right. a good deal older than me right. and um, have, have, <laughs> been, have been doing this for a little while longer. Um, so, but I mean, what, we, what we're doing today is totally different than what we started in. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. And, and one thing about Kevin, he is a man of many, many passions. Um, when I go up to South Bend, I'll, I'll stay with Kevin and you can see the evidence of, of his passion around his home between a gentleman, farmer, a sportsman, hunter, a snowmobiler, scuba diver, snow skier, and um, and really a, a leader of, of teams on mission trips to Africa, which is really cool that he does with his family. So he's got his whole family involved in, in their work there. So anyway, thanks, Kevin, for letting us a little bit about you and your, your group. And, you know, you and I have been, I looked it up, we've been connected for about 24 years when we started in our best practices group and our coaching. And uh, one of the things that's always stood out to me from day one was your passion for the benefits of financial planning. And so I really would love just for you to share with the audience some of the some of the some of the things that you you've told me frequently about why you think everyone can benefit from a financial planning relationship or at least from doing quality depth a, a you know a deep dive into financial planning so tell me about your belief system and why financial planning is so important yeah i started in in again i started in 1994 and i was affiliated with american express financial advisors at the time and they had an idea that you would help a client by charging them a very small financial planning fee. And then basically you get them financially undressed and you fill them up with house products. So mm. mediocre products yeah. um, that the company benefited from you selling to the end client. And as I was analyzing my career and my future, I thought, well, I the part that I love is the financial planning part. That makes a ton of sense to me by you know, operating right in the center of the financial planning wheel. There are six formal areas of financial planning. And so doing the strategy piece right in the middle and coordinating the efforts and coordinating someone's team. And then as I had tried to coordinate teams, what I realized is I was strategy and the, and the various professionals on their team were execution. And I really liked the idea of doing the execution in-house, it reduced a lot of friction, um, not friction as in conflict, but friction as in how fast can we go here. And so um, just the speed of executing the strategies that the, that the chief financial officer, if you will, of someone's financial life would come up with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know you've told me before that I'd ask you before what your what your target market was. You know, who are the people that are attracted to your firm or who you would like to serve? And do you, you remember what you've told me about that frequently? I, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure I've told you a few things. I, I mean, to me, our threshold is, it, it, and I tell my team this, it's, it is holy ground. If God brings someone in that door, that's the person we want to serve. Now we're able to serve them well if they're coachable and goal-oriented. Yeah, that's what I was so when about. people, yeah. yeah, so when people say, hey, what's the minimum of your firm? I say the minimum is they're coachable and goal-oriented. We've got it. We've got 16 different certified financial planners. So we're really stratified as far as who would be best to serve whom. And so right. if, if God brings them in the door and they are coachable and goal-oriented, we are serving them. But we're making sure we're getting the right advisor with the right person that comes in and right. is in search of financial wisdom. Yeah, that, that was the term I was looking for, coachable and goal-oriented, which I thought was really, really cool because at the end of the day, it's about return on life, not just return on investment, meaning um, that your clients and my clients um, live the life that they're called to live without uh, the worry and the stress and the lack of freedom that financial worries can get, can give you. So it's really... Uh, you know, there are a lot of payoffs to financial planning, um, but the process around um, taking all this complexity and coordinating it is, 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 is really important. And that's one of the things that you've done as your firm. So our firms are quite different. Uh, you have three divisions, I believe, and primary divisions in your firm. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you have a wealth management division that's very similar to the work that we do here in my firm, but you also have uh, a tax and accounting division or service, and you have an insurance service. So when you were talking about, you know, having this all kind of coordinated, you do it in house. I mean, you don't, you know, and I know you collaborate with other professionals. That's that's what we all have to do and and do. But you you it was very important to you, I believe, to try to make sure that you coordinated all of these complex areas to make it simple for the client. Is that a fair, is that a fair statement? Yeah, we, what we found is that the, the people that we serve best are people that have um, money. The, the, the people that need our help are people that have money. Typically people that have money have complexity in their life. And, and another component is they're busy. So if you work, if we want, if we want to be set up to serve people who are really busy um, and they've got financial complexity and they've got a lot of resources, we, we said, how do we make this as simple as possible? Because what these people aren't looking for is another job, which includes managing all of the resources that I've been able to accumulate. A lot of these folks that are excellent at accumulating, don't want to go home and spend their weekend reading Investor, Investor's Business Daily and the Wall Street Journal and everything else. Right. If they wanted to do that, they, they'd sit next to me and be a financial planner. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things, too, that has really impressed me about your group is you bring in these young advisors right out of college. You have this training program that lasts for years, but you are diligent and very intentional about continuing education and the technical knowledge. So not only do they have to build trust, but they have to have the technical knowledge. And one of the things that you guys have focused on recently is deep on tax planning. And so I thought we'd spend a few minutes today talking a little bit about tax planning because we can talk about all the values of financial planning. And some of those are, you know, again, return on life type issues, confidence, freedom, um, you know, lack of, you know, not, not being stressed, 
uh, feeling like you're being a good steward of your capital. Those are all emotional payoffs. But tax planning really is a place where you can, you know, uh, you know, penny saved is a penny earned. And so tell me a little bit about some ideas or some things that you guys are working on um, that I know we've talked a lot about uh, in light of the, the, the current tax law or some things that you may be seeing coming down the pike. So what are your, what are your thoughts on some and, – and again, remembering that this audience is generally mid- to late-career executives who may be transitioning into retirement or recently retired – uh, and trying to navigate because their tax bill may be the biggest check they write every year. Mm-hmm. What, what are some of the things you guys are doing if we just kind of throw out a couple ideas here? And, and to, to give you some ideas, and these ideas might be practical and useful for you. If they're not practical and useful for you, if you're the, the you know, late career executive, these might be really applicable to your children right now, or there might be someone else in your life. So they, I hopefully what we share um, will be helpful because we just went through uh, a, a lot of change in the tax code and Congress has changed a number of things. Some of the changes are permanent changes. Some of the changes are changes just for the year 2021. Actually, some of the changes went back and affected what happened in 2020. So this has been a doozy of a tax season because we've had to hold returns, um, for a season. Um, we're just filing some of those returns right now once they've dealt with, hey, listen, the unemployment benefit that you received last year was taxable. No, it's not taxable. Yes, it's taxable to the federal, but not taxable to the federal. Now it is to the state. So there's all kinds of interesting changes that if you're not staying on top of, you're going to miss something. I, Jeff, I think one of the, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you, to me, when I think of tax planning, I, I would I would look at three numbers, and again, this may not really apply to the the um, the, the the late career executive. Yeah. But when you look at the child tax credit, okay. um, yep. one of the things they changed is they brought that number from four hundred thousand down to one fifty. Right. So the, there's a phase out at one fifty. So if you say, "Hey, my kids," I know my kids have a household income of one eighty. They might, and they've got some kids. They might want to be thinking. Hey, is there a way to get that 180 down to 150 in order to qualify for the child tax credits? Because if they're because the child tax credits are going to start getting paid in July of this year. And if you receive child tax credits this year and you file your tax return next April and you weren't qualified for them, they're going to be clawed back. So you say, wow, I want to make sure that I know what's going on. This is why I want to work with my financial planner. And again, make sure your financial planner is certified that they do uh, tax planning, not just tax preparation, because tax preparation is really important. But a lot of times by the time it comes to just the preparation, it's too late. Right. Right. So that's that's one of the things that I I look at. Pay attention to the thresholds on the tax credit. And I know in, in, in the uh, president's proposal, they're increasing the credit and making it non-refundable all the way through. I think 3,600, I believe, is the new number per child. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's so it could be more valuable in, yes, in the future. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing, and again, this might not apply to everyone in the audience, but there's a, you know, at 125, there's a dependent care credit. 
And I'm just this, you know, we just came out of a case class and we, we do a case class where we get our CFPs, our CPAs, our insurance agents, they all in a room and we work on a case. And so we we're pulling this case apart and some, some young executives that are making decent money, they're at about, they were at about 170. And if they both fully fund their 401ks, they can get down to where they could benefit from both the child tax credit as well as the dependent care credit. Right. So those two are are numbers that I'd say, well, ha- just, just know that there are, there are the thresholds, thresholds, there are numbers. And if you're an executive and you're retiring and you don't have retiree medical and you're not yet 65, one of the things that you're con- concern is likely, well, what do I do for health insurance? Right. That's right. And this is another area where um, it, it matters because there's something called the premium assistance tax credit, where if my income is low enough, I'm able to basically, I could, in essence, get my health care for free. Okay. Um, and so this is where, again, you want to be working with your certified financial planner on this. And people are like, well, wait a minute. How in the world do I get my income low enough? One of the ways that you could get your income low enough is as you're growing and you're building your retirement resources is you make sure to diversify not just asset classes, that's the investment piece, but from a tax planning standpoint, I'm diversifying the the the, the different tax shelters that I'm using so that I can access money that if I access this money today, it is not going to impact my taxable income today, which may position me to get a much more favorable deal on my health insurance. Right. Okay. Well, and that's paying attention to things like, should I do traditional versus Roth uh, IRAs or non-deductible IRAs and things of that nature? So something I think that um, we tend to not pay attention to enough is the ability to do after-tax contributions to your 401k, as an example. Most people don't know it, that if most plans allow you to do after-tax contributions to your 401k over and above the 401k limits. Now, it's not deductible, obviously, but you're able to get more money in your 401k on an after-tax basis. And when you separate from service, you can move the gains, uh, will move over to a traditional IRA, but your contributions can end up in a Roth IRA. Right. And that is... So, Jeff, that I'm going to say most people don't know about. I'm going to say most financial planners don't know about right. that. But if you have a 401k, uh, you know, we had a client at, at Chevron. Chevron had that as a possibility. And what he did is he went up to the Section 415 limits every year, which was yep. uh, 56000 or what have you. Right. And the after-tax money that he put in on an annual basis, we would roll that out into his Roth IRA. Right. So right. that money was, the, I mean, so basically, basically he was supercharging his Roth IRA. Now, does everyone have that available as a component of their 401k retirement plan? No, most, I'm going to say most people actually don't. But if you do, that is such a powerful tool to accumulate wealth. Yeah. So, so for example, if you've got this 60-year-old recent retiree, uh, that's got five years before they'll get Medicare, Right. And so they'll Mm -hmm. need health insurance. If that 60-year-old had a third of their money in taxable accounts, a third of their money in Roth IRAs, and a third of their money in traditional IRAs, you've got a lot of flexibility to give them maybe $100,000 in income, 
but be maybe 40, 50, or 60 in taxable income because yeah. of the way you diversified your strategy. So that's what you're referring to about diversifying yes. strategies. Perfect. Because if you had it like that, a third, a third, a third, then the tax plan figures out how to perfectly mix that cocktail to come up with the perfect amount of taxable income. To meet these to, objectives. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, that, can, that can literally mean I'm paying nothing for a health plan that might cost uh, me, if I wasn't doing this, it might cost me 1500 to two grand a month. Right. To cover you from 60 to 65. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, do you, you know, I know we talk and traditionally it's always been about deferring income, deferring income, deferring income. But with tax rates where they are and where they may be in the future, um, as we're looking at people in retirement, I mean, we're spending a lot of time on bracket management. And yes. oftentimes deferring is not the right decision. Sometimes accelerating income at lower brackets is oftentimes a good decision. So at any rate, th those are two great ideas on the child tax credit and diversifying strategy. So you have the ability potentially to get some free health care from 60 to 65 through the uh, through the premium credit. So yes. what else you got? You got anything else teed up here that you might like Well, the other thing that I would add to that, Jeff, and, and, and you're hitting on that is it used to be the conventional wisdom is, is defer everything that you can pre-tax. So I don't pay taxes on it now. And based on the way history has been, it's quite possible that I'm in a lower tax bracket once I'm in retirement. But there, there are a couple things that might change that. One is what they might possibly do to the tax brackets. So again, this is bracketology and how do we manage you know, <laughs> right. the brackets and all right. this good stuff. But the other thing that changed, while most of us were sleeping or getting prepared <laughs> to deal with the coronavirus, which we didn't realize was coming, but in, in I think January 1, the SECURE Act went into effect. And that it used to be if you were a married couple, you had all of your deferred investments, your let's call it IRAs, that went at the first death that went to the spouse and then the spouse then at their death, it would pass to either the children. It could sometimes I've seen it pass to the grandchildren and they would have their lifetime to pull money out of that. Right. Stretch. It went called from, a stretch. Yep. Yep. It went from a lifetime of stretch to now 10 years of stretch. Right. So all of a sudden now the game is not, I I'm looking at, who's going to stretch this money? Is it my children or grandchildren? Now I'm looking at that and saying, hey, listen, maybe I should pay taxes on some of that. Maybe the, the pre-tax contributions to my 401k should be post-tax contributions to the Roth side of my 401k and get that money growing tax-free forever, uh, at least forever as it pertains to my lifetime. Because that will give my children or my heirs, whoever my beneficiaries of those dollars might be, some freedom. Because if you had $3 million in your retirement plan and you had three kids, they each inherit a million bucks at your death. They've got 10 years to pay tax on that million dollars. Yeah. So if they just each took $100,000 a year, yeah. what is that going to do to their income, their bracketology versus what your financial life looks like. Right. 
Yeah, so what you're referring to is the SECURE Act again. And, um, you know, as Congresses want to do, they pat themselves on the back saying, oh, you don't have to take it at 70 and a half. You can wait all the way till 72 now. You get a year and a half. Oh, but by the way, your, your, your next generation is going to have to pay tax on all this money in the next 10 years. So, you know, the, you know uh, and, and of course, they're now I think they're even uh, talking about SECURE Act 2.0 which might expand it to 75, but I'm sure there's other costs associated with, with that as well. So there's, there's all kind of stuff going on uh, in, in terms of the um, retirement, uh, the retirement rules around qualified plans. So it is quite complex, uh, which again points to the point of number one, planning, because you've got these various buckets that you want to evaluate and when you're going to, and you have to do multi-year planning. You can't just do it for 2021. You've got to look forward for several years as your circumstances change. But the SECURE Act and this having to distribute the money over a 10-year period to the next generation requires multi-generational planning, you know, where you're actually looking at the, the, the situation of your children or grandchildren. Um, and if the goal is to preserve capital for the family, you know, you have to look at it in a multi-generational, uh, lens as opposed to just the patriarch, if you will, or matriarch. Yes, absolutely. And that, and that's where, when we're doing financial planning, it's so crucial that clients understand that their financial plan, in essence, it is an, it's overlaid over a tax plan. And I, you know, as I've, you've talked about me mentoring these younger guys and they will hear me talk to clients who have amassed some pretty amazing wealth and say, hey, listen, I want a tax projection. I want a 40 year tax projection. <laughs> and, and, you know, these guys are like, well, how, you know, how can you even do that? You don't know what the, tax, the tax rates are going to be three years from now. And, and, and so the question is, well, is this a forecast? Is this something that they should plan on? No, but, it, but based on the current rules, as we look over time, that can give us a good idea on who the best person to pay taxes on these dollars and when should that happen? Because again, the game is I've got dollars I've never paid taxes on. I want to get them over the fence, really make a jailbreak, get them free, and I want it on the far side of the fence to be as close to a dollar as possible. Right. Yeah. So you say, well, that, you know, what does that look like? I mean, for a lot of our clients, it's like, well, hey, listen, you're retired now, but you're planning on moving to Florida to be a Florida resident. Let's not go crazy on taking distributions from stuff you're going to pay taxes on, because when you get to Florida, you're not paying state tax. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of planning components that come into this. So you're... you're I would, I would encourage uh, folks who are listening to think of your financial plan as, as the, you know, the, 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 the Oreo, the, 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 the stuff in the middle is really the tax plan. And you've got the, the you know, the, the sweet cookies on the top and bottom is, <laughs> is all the other stuff. Yeah. And it's unique to each, to each person, right? You know, Absolutely. As, as you were just mentioning. So I, I've got a couple of things I was just going to throw out that we almost always do that we've talked about on the show. And, I, I you, you know, you can chime in if you have some additional thoughts on it. So, you know, uh, for people that are working, you know, high deductible health plans coupled with an HSA is a, is, is a great uh, opportunity. Um, you know, Fidelity does a study every year about what, Healthcare will cost in retirement, 
and it's estimated to be about a quarter million dollars or thereabout, about $250,000 that you'll be paying out of your own pocket for health care, even with Medicare and a supplement. Uh, so you're going to need money for health care in retirement. So be- what better way to do it then is to use a triple uh, a tax benefit where you get a deduction that grows tax-free and, and it comes out tax-free uh, in an HSA. Go ahead, yeah, Kevin. There are a couple, well, there are a couple things about that. There are two ways to get money into your HSA. One is via payroll deduction, and the other is at the end of the year or up to April 15th, write a check. And so when I, if you're thinking about that, if I put it in, if, if I can do 7000 to keep the math simple, right, right. I don't pay my half of FICA Medicare tax on that. So it's about a $500 tax savings. Now, I can't do that if I'm uh, more than a 2% owner of the business. Right. But really, if you said, what's the best way to get money into my HSA? For sure, it is via payroll deduction right. straight into your HSA. Right. Right. And so that's one thing. And then I, I like what Jeff is talking about, because really there's two types of HSAs, right? There's the, right. the, yeah, don't the use spend, yeah. yep, the spending HSA where I put money in and I pull it out, put money in, pull it out, using it for, for my vision care, my, my dental, any kind of healthcare, doctor visits, things like that. But the other thing I can do, I don't have to offset my expenses in the year in which they're incurred. So I can save my 7,000 into my HSA more if I'm 55 or older. I save that money in and I invest it. And I can do that at Fidelity. That's a sweet deal. I invest that money and I pay for all my expenses out of pocket. Right. I save those receipts up. And when I'm 65, I got a hundred thousand dollar medical receipts. I can pull a hundred grand out of my plan to offset those the year I turned 65 or, or right. whenever my financial planner gives me the green light to do so. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's, so that's the, that's the case for saving your receipts so you can pull the money out tax free later if you want to, but even if you didn't, you're going to have expenses. I mean, you're going to have expenses in retirement, uh, that, that, that you'll better use the, that you'll be able to use the money. So that's, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, you, you know, you have to sell this. Um, in my case, I had to sell this to my spouse. You know, why are we paying, why, why are we not pulling the money out of the HSA to get reimbursed for the $100 copay or whatever? I said, trust me, you're, you'll be happy in a few years that, uh, that we did this. The other one is the no-brainer around uh, QCDs. So if you are over 72, um, the old rule is 70 and a half, and you're taking required minimum distributions, Many people don't itemize anymore. I mean, um, a married couple over 65, they've got about 26000 or so in standard deductions. And so if they give money to their church, there's no tax benefits unless they are over the standard deduction. So, But if you're required to take money from your IRA, you can do it straight from the IRA to the charity and reduce your taxable income by that amount, and you still get the full standard deduction. So people that are giving money to charity in retirement who are required to do required minimum distributions, qualified charitable distributions are are almost a no-brainer, it seems to me, if you don't itemize. Any thoughts on that? It, it's a beautiful thing. And the thing that I like, because the 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 if I were to give money to my church and itemize that, that's what we refer to as a below the line deduction. Right. So I'm still going to pay state tax on those dollars. Right. And so if you do what Jeff is referring to and you build a conduit from your IRA to the church 
or to the Boy Scouts or to the food pantry, wherever you're giving those dollars, give those dollars directly from your IRA to that charity. Not only do you not pay federal taxes on those, you don't pay state taxes as, as well. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the ideas that you discussed, the bracket management, being thoughtful about the timing of your income relative to these uh, these thresholds, the qualified charitable distribution, maxing out HSAs, after-tax contributions to 401ks that can be rolled into Roth IRAs. Um, before we wrap up, any any thoughts about um, whether this level of planning will be more or less important in light of uh, budgetary concerns <laughs> with the federal government obligations? Yeah, this is this is going to be much, I believe it's only going to grow in importance. So you want to talk to a certified financial planner like this is sh- sh- shameless Jeff promotion. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk to a financial planner like Jeff Bernier, who is in the game and paying attention and says, hey, I understand these these complex strategies and how to implement them with you in your financial life. Because if you don't, you'll never recognize what you've missed. You've just missed an opportunity. So those opportunities could represent thousands of dollars of difference. And a lot of times people are like, I don't want to enter in. It's so complicated. And I just asked a simple question. So tell me what you like better, your children or the federal government? (laughs) <laughs> because that's, I mean, that, that really, it is a zero sum game. It's like yeah. the government's going to get that money. Your kids are going to get it. Who, who yeah. do you prefer? Yeah. Let's enter in and, and we can, we can take the complex and break it down and make it fairly simple for you. Right. Yeah. Well, the final comment I'll make on that is obviously there's a lot of proposals out um, with the, with the new administration, with the administration's tax proposals on capital gains uh, for uh, as, as well as a lot of other things. And now they're, now they're talking about estate planning and changing the unified credit amount, the, 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 the amount. They're talking about, um, you know, getting rid of the step-up in basis, which is, it will be an accounting nightmare. Um, but, it's, but if they raise the capital gains rate uh, for certain individuals, their argument was, well, people won't take capital gains. They'll just die with it and get the step-up. So they're going to try to try to re- eliminate the step-up with certain people. And again, um, you know, using techniques like, uh, irrevocable life insurance trust and charitable strategies may all become much more important in the future. So before we wrap up, Kevin, any final uh, brilliant ideas you'd like to, in addition to the ones you've already shared that you'd like to, uh, to throw out to us? No, uh, I'll just tell you a little story. I, I was, yeah. I was drawing up, you can actually see the board behind me. And um, I was working with some new clients yesterday and uh, they were engaged for the first little bit and and she was asking some great questions. And so that was encouraging to me. That was an encouraging sign. And then finally, she looked and said, so you're just going to do all this for me, aren't you? And I said, yep, we're going to take care of all this for you. Because and, and then she just completely checked out of the conversation <laughs> because it is the things that Jeff and I are talking about are, are I'm going to call them simple ideas but they're complex in their execution. So I, we have simple strategies that are complicated to execute. And so I just, they, you know, Jeff asked me, Jeff, you asked me at the very beginning, like what, why do I love financial planning? Because it is, it is truly life-changing and is so 
awesome for us. I mean, I say being a financial planner is the greatest job in the history of jobs because it's such soulful work and we get to help people in, in ways that, that, that they don't really get help from anyone else on. So it's, it's, it's very, very rewarding work and, and we, we love doing it. Well, thank you, Kevin. If, um, you know, you are an incredible advocate for your clients and you also are quite an influencer on uh, other advisors. I know, I know you're, you're active in a number of uh, platforms where you do support other advisors. And again, you've been a, a huge influence on me and our firm uh, through the study group and our other things together. So thank you so much for, for being with us. And thank you, audience, for joining us again on the Money and Meaning Show. I hope you found this time well spent and that, uh, that you do walk away with an idea or two or at least prompt you to be a little more intentional with your planning. Uh, where appropriate, you know, engage a professional, collaborate with the professionals that have the expertise that, that you need to, to um, again, make sure that your penny saved is truly a penny, a penny earned. So you can check out past episodes of the podcast at tannengrowth.com forward slash resources. Uh, you can also check us out on iTunes. And um, thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning at tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.